It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Locked On Wizards podcast. It's your host, Real Ed Oliver, my guy, Brandon Scott. Today, we have special guest Matt Moderno from the Believe in Wizards podcast. And we're going to do some quarter of the year grades. Let's get to it. You are Locked On Wizards, your daily Washington Wizards podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Wizards your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you guys get podcasts. All right, Matt, before we get started, is there anything that you wanted to plug for Believe in Wizards? And also, uh, Matt, you did go to L.A., so I know that was a great time. Just want to hear about your experience and what you saw from the Lakers game and the Clippers game and also the Suns game from last night. Uh, yeah, a lot to unpack there. Thanks for having me, guys. I, I love the show. So happy to be on with you guys. Um, I mean, I'm just happy they won last night. I think uh, I thought I would see one out of two wins on the road trip. But, uh, you know, it wasn't meant to be. They led for most of that Clippers game and then kind of kind of screwed the pooch on the on the back end there. And then the Lakers game, they did one of their sort of fake pseudo comebacks and couldn't really pull it out. And LeBron did LeBron things. So, uh, again, not meant to be. So it's good to be ending the losing streak, I guess, unless you're like a pro tank fan or whatever. But. For the most part, it was just cool to see him on the road. I had never been to uh, formerly Staples Staple Center, now Crypto.com Arena, which is kind of weird. Out front, they've just ripped off the giant Staples Center sign and put this little banner below it, like much lower, that says Crypto. So it's kind of budget for a big place, but uh, it, it was a fun place to see a game. And I tell you what, man, that like Lakers crowd is insane. They're playing the Wizards, objectively like a lower-end team for them, probably from a fan perspective. The place was insane. People were like heckling us. Uh, I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, the Wizards are bad. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, but yeah, it was just, it was awesome. It was like a playoff game. Honestly, like I went to that John Wall game six in 2017. That Lakers crowd was like reasonably comparable to that, which was just wild to see for somebody that's used to, you know, Wizards home game crowds during the year. Yeah, that's insane. I, I know it must have been loud and crazy when we double LeBron and, you yeah. know, we get a deflection, then he falls on the ground. Next thing you know, Thomas Bryant is wide open for a wide open dunk and they finished the game that way. Um, so, yeah, Kuz, we'll start off with Kuz. Um, of course, Kuz tweeted about the California breeze when he got off the plane. You know, there's been reports that the Lakers are interested in him and, um, you know, the Abel Wallace report saying that he's not going to sign the contract extension or um, opt-in, and then also the report from, uh, I want to say, Eric Pincus, 
mm-hmm. saying that Kuzma allegedly wants out. Um, how would you grade Kuzma's season so far? And then how do you how if you were the GM, how would you handle Kuzma's contract situation before the trade deadline? I, I think some of us overreacted to the whole he's not gonna sign an extension thing. He would lose money to sign an extension to stay here longer. So I don't blame guys for not wanting to stay here on a discount. Like we're just not that kind of place with those kind of like postseason aspirations. So I I think it would be weird if someone wanted to do that to stay here. So I don't think that definitively means he he wants out. If you've had a real convo with the guy and he is not looking to be here, okay, then then you got to handle that accordingly. But if it's like, look, you guys make a competitive competitive offer compared to other teams. Like I'll I like it here. I want to stay. You know, as long as the money's close or right or whatever I'm in, like, then I think, you know, you handle things a little differently. If it's like, nah, I want out, I will not be back here. Like, this is not the spot for me. Um, Maybe you tell them, like, look, if you be up front with us, we'll trade you somewhere you might want to go longer term. And then he gets kind of like an opportunity to try it out there and see if it is somewhere he wants to resign. So you could kind of do him a solid if he does you a solid by being honest. Uh, Overall, I'd say probably a B plus for Kuzma for the year. Like, the scoring's been good. The rebounding's been good. I think this, the value of a 6'10 playmaker is huge and can't be understated. He's like probably the closest thing to like a modern NBA player we have. Like he's the kind of guy that good teams are trying to get from like a an archetype perspective. And I, would the shooting being a little bit better, more efficient, be better? Yeah, sure. That would give him an A grade. The defense is kind of where I struggle with. Like you hear routinely other teams talk about like Kuzma's length affecting them and making life hard on them. But then you look at stuff from like a defensive metrics perspective and he doesn't rate very well. So I'm sort of, it's a mixed bag for me, but I I don't know. B plus seemed reasonable, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. I think he's, he's just openly been honest um, about his situation. Like you said, I mean, any, any player at his, at, with his stage, with the where, where the way he's been playing, of course, they're not going to opt in for, Right. You know, thirteen and a half million dollars. That's just not that's just not smart on his part. And he told Abel Wallace that. Yep. Um, so I, I don't blame him for saying that at all. Um, and if if he really does want out, which who knows if that's true, I think that's actually a good thing. Just being honest with Tommy yep. Shepard. So like you said, he can just let the let the organization know to move on. We don't want to have another situation where, you know, you you kept Bertans where you could have got value for him or you know, other players in the past. So um, if that is true, I'm happy that he's being transparent. But I, I thought he's played really well. Like last night, he hit a huge mm-hmm. three, a clutch three in the corner. He rebounds well. He passes well. Um, he's been a point forward because we just don't have a point guard that can really get into the paint consistently. He's had, he's been, we've been forced or he's been forced to initiate offense at the time. Sometimes it comes with turnovers. Um, but he, he's shooting the three ball well, solidly, 34%. He can get to the basket. He's had some big games when, when Bill has been out. He's had some big games. When Bill has been there, so I've been impressed with Kyle Kuzma, and whether he's here or not, I think he can definitely bring back some good trade value. And if he's here, I think he can help us contribute to to some some wins. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Kyle Kuzma, how would I handle his contract situation? And like you said, Matt, I don't blame him for wanting more because opting in for thirteen million, especially when you look at how much of a complete player he is now compared to LA. You know, LA, he was a role guy. You know, he was in LeBron's shadow. You know, he's People talk stuff about him, but now coming to D.C., he's really turned into a complete player, you know. So uh, it's, it's tricky. I think you hit the nail on the head. I'm not going to defer much away from what you said. I think that, you know, if you're serious about him wanting to be here and wanting him to be here, you know, try to make a run of him in an offseason. But if not, be be really coherent with him. Ask him, where do you want to go? 
you know, because, yeah, that, that's where I'd go with it. Because I think Kuzma, I'd like to see him in D.C. long term because I love his game. Like I said, he is a more complete player now. You know, he really is. In L.A., like I said, he was a role guy. Here, you know, three-point shot, the leadership. That's that's one thing that we desperately need here that, you know, we don't talk about enough about Kuzma. His leadership, especially with Bradley Bill being out. And KP's not really a leadership guy. Like, he's kind of guy where he's going to lead by example. But he's not a big rah-rah guy in the locker room. But Kyle Kuzma stepping up and taking that role has been central for this team. So, B-plus, I'm going to roll with A-minus. I'm going to up it a little bit. I think that he's really transformed his game in D.C. I like what I see from Kuzma. You know in classes when you got like the 89.49 or whatever, and it was like, do they round up? Do they not round up? It depends (laughs) on the teacher. Like, I – that's sort of where I was at with this, right? Like, I think either of those seem seem pretty reasonable. It's it's been a really good experience, and I think for the money he makes, uh, you know, maybe maybe the A is actually kind of the the smart move. The the one last thing I want to say on Kuzma, just for you guys, at that Lakers game, uh, I don't know how much of this they caught on camera around the game, or if anybody's watching a league pass for like the live feed or whatever, but. LeBron like dapped him up like 17 times during that game. Like I know they're buddies. I know they played together, but like LeBron was in full like recruitment mode. So I I actually buy that they want him back. And uh, like Kuzma, like locked LeBron up on a big play and had like a run out dunk. And as he ran back down court, like LeBron like patted him on the ass or whatever. And it was just like, Oh, okay. Like um, he's like really being corny about like how hard he's hyping up Kuzma right now. Yeah. LeBron is one of the best recruiters out there. Um, he's like the Calipari of recruiting <laughs> players. Um, we saw him, you know, smiling with Brad after the game too. So, um, and the Lakers are one of the teams that are reportedly interested. I mean, you got the Hawks, the Suns. Um, if there is any team that we had, to, I know the Dallas is reported, the Mavericks are reportedly interested. I hope if we do trade him, I know the Kings like they like Kuzma. They've liked Kuzma for like the last three or four years. I do hope that they can get some picks back for him, and I think the Hawks would have the best offer. That's just thinking about teams. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll move on to the next player. But before we do get to the next player, this episode is brought to you by NHTSA. Did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even in states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high can get you a DUI. And if you think law enforcement officers can't tell you when you're driving high, you're wrong. Your friends can tell. Your coworkers can tell. Even your parents can tell. Everyone can tell. So what makes you think that law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. Because the bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different. And driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI. Paid for by NHTSA. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Thank you for making Locked On Wizards your first listen every day. Make sure you check out Locked On Sports today, the biggest stories around the sports world in 20 minutes or less, plus instant reactions, game recaps, and Locked On's take of the day. Locked On Sports today, available on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so um, I guess we'll transition to another player in the solid three. I don't, We don't call him the big three. We call him the solid three. 
I like that. Um, <laughs> um, so let's let's transition to Bradley Bill. Um, how, what do you think about his season so far? And then also the comments that he made in the uh, interview with Gilbert Arenas, uh, where he said that I'm paraphrasing, but he said that there was no other options out there. So he came back to the Wizards. I had a tough time with that because like I reacted to that one kind of in the heat of the moment, like I think a lot of us did. And it was like, oh, hell no, he didn't just say this the second time because he said this on the J.J. Reddick podcast during the summer. Like that sort of got like swept under the rug, I guess, because it was the offseason and we weren't locked into him yet. But, uh, you know, it's the second time he's made similar comments. So to the people who said they got taken out of context or were toasting it out of context, whatever, like, no, he said it twice. I don't really blame him. I think he was trying to be honest and transparent. And he did throw in the little caveat of like place where I could also win. So it wasn't just like uh, I picked the worst team in the league because they gave me the most money. It was, well, you know, of the places I thought I'd have a reasonable shot. Uh, this was the one who could give me the most money. So that was worth it. So I, again, it's, it's kind of real. I don't blame him. I'm sure he feels that way. Uh, if he could have gotten the same amount of money to go to Boston, he probably would have done that shit. I don't know that I blame him. Uh, but it does suck to hear. Like, as a fan, you don't want to hear that from the guy. Your team just locked in for a quarter of a billion dollars. I think on the court, he's been really, really good offensively. I, I think, you know, the 30-point-per-game season we talked about, oh, he's too shot-happy and he needs to move the ball. Well, now he's a lot more efficient. The three-point shooting is better. It's still not great. The free-throw shooting is a little weird at times. But I, I think it's hard to to pick on the offensive side of the ball. It's the defense is still not great. It can be okay situationally at times. So I wrestled with this one a little bit. I kind of wanted to give him a B plus like Kuzma. I'm in like the same situation where like the sort of perfectly between B plus and a minus uh, they don't, they're not, he's not there to score or not there to defend for them. Like it just, he's never going to be that kind of player. If the team is built where you need him to be a top defender, you're in trouble. And if they had a better, you know, defensive playmaking point guard next to him, would he look even better? I think so. But just kind of given the limitations, I think I'd be kind of straddling between those two grades. And that's a little bit of a cop out, but something like that. Yeah, I, I, was, I would go with a B minus just because of the, the clutch situations. Um, it's still frustrating yeah. that we keep seeing the sure, same things right. year after year with him dribbling the ball with his foot. You know, the horns game, you know, he'll, he'll go on a tear in the fourth quarter for, you know, five minutes straight and then, that last play of the game, it's just it isn't a turnover. It happened with the Heat game against Caleb Martin as well. So that's twice this year that has happened. Um, yeah, offensively, uh, like you said, I think he's been efficient. Um, I think he gets he's gotten his teammates involved um, at times. You know, he's shooting the three ball a little bit. He's still he's shooting at thirty three percent from the three. At one point, he was a 50-40-90 guy. Of course, he's been in and out of the lineup with the virus still still being in health and safety. He's like the only player really still in health and safety protocols over and over. Um, but yeah, and then last night I thought he took over. This is what we want to see from a max player who's getting paid 35% of salary cap. You want to see him step up and take over a game. Didn't play well in the first half, but he took over the mid-range game. Um, as they say on NBC Sports Washington, he leads the league in step back jumpers. Uh, so <laughs> and reverse layups, which is great. <laughs> yeah, and then the whole comment, yes, I took it as a slap in the face. If I'm Ted or Tommy, I take it as a slap in the face of you basically gave him the key to the team or key to the city with the no trade calls and a trade kicker. Um, and it's kind of like you compare it to the dating world where if a girl really likes a guy and he's just looking around and there's no other girls out there to go to, or you could say a girl looking for a boyfriend, there's no other guys out there to date, but I know I can go back to you because I know you're going to take me back or take me as your date. 
to like homecoming or to the prom or something like that. It's like, how would you feel? And that's kind of how the wizards, that's the analogy that I, that I see, you know, Oh, nobody else is out there. So I'm just going to fall back on a team. That's just going to throw me a boatload of money and all the other extra sprinkles on top as well. So, um, but as far as just on the court, I thought he's played good ball. He said, we're not looking for him to be a lockdown defender. He'll, he'll never be that um, leadership. He may never be that alpha dog as a leader either. Um, so it's kind of like, when you look at him, you just look at the contract compared to the play. But if you take the contract out of it, of course, you know, he's he's just he's a really he's an all star level player. And that's why other teams want him like the Lakers and other teams still still see value in him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where do we start? <laughs> Rally Bill. Um, I'm going to give him a C. I'm going to give him a straight C. And he's lucky he ain't go down. I'm going to tell you why. Um, <laughs> on the court. On the court. You know, if you look at his game, he's getting old. He's going into his 30s. And now as a 37-year-old guy, normally he's not old, but in the NBA, he's trying to get a little old. And if you look at his skill set, he's no longer a three-point threat anymore. You know, he's starting to become more of a mid-range guy, which is cool. You know, and his driving is good, but, you know, the, the arrow's really going the opposite direction as far as him. You know, he's really in his prime, and I don't see him really – you would think the year that he, he hit 31 points, I think that was that was his ceiling. You know, I think he's already reached his ceiling as far as his capabilities. Um, the comment where, you know, leadership. Well, that contract tells you you got to be a leader. You know, you get paid that amount of money, you got to be a leader. I mean, I, I, I just don't, I don't understand why you can be, man, you're smiling, dapping people up, you know, interacting with the crowd, laughing, joking. Look, you're getting blown out. Yeah, I mean, I, that rubbed me the wrong way. And you add the comments to that. I get it. You know, he was honest and, you know, you know, honesty is cool, but. And it's not really all on him. You know, you got to look at management and say, you know, this management has a small market mind frame. You know, you we, we all knew that he was not worth this amount of money. You know, he's not. He's not that type of you – know, look at the tier of guys who have that amount of money. And then was up a, a little bit. No trade clause? I don't even think Stephen Curry has a no trade clause. Like, really? That's, That's I mean, what are we talking about? So, you know, and then going to the podcast, man, it's like, you don't say that. You don't say that. It's just the off-the-court – to me, is just the laughing, you know, just being nonchalant about it. You know, he once said that he wanted to be the, the Dirk Levinsky of the Wizards. Well, you know what Dirk did? He took pay cuts. You know, when you took that contract, you just made it harder for us to build around you. That's not leadership. That's not that's that's you trying to get paid and knowing that you hold all the cards. And when it's time to go, that you can dictate where you go. But that's not leadership because if you were serious about building around you, you wouldn't take that contract because it gets steeper every year and it's going to get hard. You know, we already have issues with uh, contract negotiations. You know, Kuz is not guaranteed to come back. KP is not guaranteed to come back. I mean, KP and Kuz, if I'm them, you know, is this team necessarily a contender? No, and they want to win. So I don't see neither one of them, you know, depending on what we offer them. But even then, if you go into the luxury with Bradley, Bill, KP, and Kuz, I mean, is that really the, a team that's going to take you to the upper echelons of the East? No, it's not. I mean, we're being optimistic, and they're, they're a nice, solid three, but – they're not going to challenge the Milwaukee's. They're not. I mean, hell, they might even challenge the Toronto Raptors. I mean, let's, let's be real. So, you know, Bradley Bill, I, I am a fan of him. You know, it's been cool watching him grow from that guy in the John Wall days, going from a spot-up shooter to a guy who could put the ball on the floor and really create a shot. But I think my problem with it is this this, this attitude. You know, you you know, you you got your bag, but now it's like, ha, you know, I'm yeah, I'm laughing and it's, it's all fun. You know, we're getting the tip. He's bouncing down the court. And like, nah, man, get out of it. This, this play for attitude. No, you're getting blown out. Okay, you're getting blown out. So if I'm the Wizards, I'm asking where he wants to go straight up. 
where you want to go. You want to go to L.A.? Go to L.A. If you want to go to Boston, you and Tatum can high-five and shoot bubbles and have all the fun you want in Beantown. But I think it's time to move, man, because the on-point – oh, excuse me. The on-court production is just not there for the salary. And then if you add everything else, it's just that the attitude is just – it's not what we need. We need leadership. And if, you, if your leadership is not coming from your top player, that's a problem. And that's a problem for this organization. It comes from the owner to the GM. That's just where I'm at with it. <laughs> Can I play devil's advocate on a couple things here real quick, guys? Like, I agree with everything you both just said. But also, I look at it as a lot of those things are the team's fault. Like you said, should, should he want to, if he was serious about team building around him, he should take a pay cut. Well, if I don't think the team I'm signing with is serious about building around me, I'm not taking a pay cut for them to do that either. Uh, the leadership thing, you knew what you were getting when you gave him that amount of money. He's never done that shit here. Uh, I like how he said that the best leader he'd ever been around was LeBron at an all-star game one time. Like they have not put good veteran leaders around him, even as a young player to kind of teach him, you know, what's expected of him. He's never been in a better, well-run organization to know what those top guys really do for the rest of their teammates. Like it's not excusing him, but it's also just, you know, like if to expect more from him just because he made more money it's it's not him like he he's limited as a player the clutch stuff like he can't do that like we know, we have enough sample size to know he can't close out games he's not a finisher but we keep throwing him the ball in iso situations and saying finish so like for me as a rec league basketball player at this point in my life i can't dribble with my left hand but if the team is telling me i got to go left every time it's like you got to do what you do. And they're asking him to do things he clearly can't do. So if you're a good coach at a certain point, you say like, all right, this is not a winning play for us. How do we draw up something to get him a look off ball? Or how does somebody create a better look for him or use him as a decoy? Cause he does have gravity. Uh, people do expect him to take that shot. So like at a certain point, how much of that is really his fault? Like, I, I don't know. I mean, asking, um, it's like asking Embiid to cross somebody up an ISO on the perimeter to close a game for the Sixers. Like he doesn't have that skill set, so they don't ask him to do that. If Beal can't dribble in traffic in the final four minutes of a game, stop asking him to do that. So not to excuse him, like we should have traded him five years ago. We should still trade him. You had to give him that money to actually get value back to trade him, which I hope they do this off season. I'm, I'm not, I'm not enjoying watching Beal play all that much personally, but. I do also put a lot of fault with the stuff that we're pointing out with him, with the organization too. It's a two-way street to me. Sorry. No, I, I, I totally agree. It's definitely an organizational problem. You know, Tommy, you know, you know, the, the ownership, Ted Leonsis, you know, you refuse to rebuild, but I mean, that's what we need. We need to rebuild. Right. Look, if you look at the eras, you know, Gilbert Arenas era, you know, we didn't win championships, but we were a playoff team. You know, if you look at um, John Wall, we weren't a contender, but we were a playoff team. We haven't sniffed the playoffs except for one year with Russell Westbrook. I mean, just <laughs> – but I do agree. But uh, before we get into the third member of the Solid Three, today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Unfortunately, life doesn't come with a user manual. So when it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck. Navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure. Whether it's a career change, a new relationship, or becoming a parent, therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills, which makes therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of the complex engine called you better help has connected over three million people with licensed therapists is convenient and accessible everywhere 
100% online. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnNBA. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, so moving on to the third member of the solid three, Christoph Brzezingis. You know, looking at Christoph, you know, he has been healthy. That has been his, you know, his biggest slight. It's been health. It's never a talent issue. You know, he's a very talented. He's a 7-3 guy who can shoot from three, who can put the ball on the floor. Now, he can defend the paint now. When he goes against bigs, such as the Joel Embiid's, they got a little bit of muscle to him. He does tend to struggle, but he tends to be a kind of a Swiss Army knife at a 7-3. So where, where would you rate KP? Uh, I would give Porzingis an A-, minus. I think. Uh you know, offensively, he's over 20 a game. He's pretty good. The three-point shooting has been awful for basically the last month, which has sort of gone under the radar. I think he's like in the teens for, for December so far, which is kind of hard to think about. But defensively, he's been huge. Like, he's been a floor raiser for this team. He is sort of matchup dependent, as you mentioned. Like, I think he really struggles with perimeter-based bigs that pull him away from the basket. But against drop coverage bigs, he's going to kill them on the other end, and I think he defends most of them okay. The bigger guys... He can't defend or the guys that nobody can really defend. So I, I don't hold that much against him. But I, I think overall, he's been better than expected. And I think to your point, the health has been huge. Yeah, I'm rolling with A. I think he has played well in D.C. He has played well. Now, you know, we talk about leadership where, you know, obviously most of the leadership comes from Coos. But KP has been, I mean, he's he shows why, you know, when he's healthy, this is an all-star level guy. I mean, he can play some ball. You know, like I said, I, I would like to see him kind of add a little more weight because, you know, for us, you know, if we're intent on, you know, being challenging in the East, we need to be able to man, you know, Jerome Beads, the, the Bobby Porters is in Milwaukee, you know, the, the, you know, Clint Capella, you know, they really go against these guys and muscle them inside because we need that capability because, you know, looking at the stats, points in paint, just like our perimeter defense has been an issue. And, you know, we need to really have some more muscle you know, and the same thing with uh, Daniel Gafford. You know, Gafford, you know, he tends to be, you know, he, he can control the paint. But, again, when he goes against the bigger bigs, man, they struggle. So, But overall, KP has been solid in D.C. What do you think, E? Ed, can I throw in one thing there real quick? So, so Porzingis is actually first in the league def uh, at defensive um, field goal percentage within six feet of the hoop. Like, so teams are struggling to score around the basket against him. I, I mean, I, I think that's. That's something we haven't seen in Washington in a very long time. I think that's um, that alone should give him a, a pretty high grade from anybody, I would think. Yeah, it's been a while since yeah. Gortat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just say this. I say the stat too. Who defends the most shots per game within six feet plus def defensive field goal percentage against? He's up there with Sabonis and B, Miles Turner, uh, Jokic, Brook Lopez. So that's a good company right there. Um, yes, he had he definitely has you know blocked some shots and. 
he defends the paint really well. Um, being seven, seven foot three, that you know, that's what he's supposed to do as well. Um, but going back to Brad too, Brandon, because you brought up some good points. Uh, I know you were the Russian judge with the grades, but you were being honest there too. I mean, if you compare it to, of course, the contract that they gave him and the leadership and the smiling after you know we lost to the Nets by forty two, and he was still laughing and giggling. Of course, yeah, you, I probably give him a D if you compare it to that. But if you looked at it objectively too, from Matt's perspective of Tommy Shepard, Ted giving him that contract, just look at him as a player. Like I said, it's like a B minus. Um, now getting to Chris Porzingis, yeah, I would give him an A minus. Um, I think he's rebounding better. That's what I wanted to see to see him do. A lot of people want to see him dominate in the post. That's just not his game. He's not going to back people down. I would love to see that more instead of just the finesse fadeaways. But that's just that's just a part of his game, and that's where he excels at putting the ball on the floor. Sometimes he settles for the three a little too much. And Matt, like you said, he's not. If you look at his percentages, his three point shooting is is not great, but he's capable of doing it, and it helps with spacing. Uh, but sometimes he just falls in love with it a little too much. The Lakers game, you should be dominating Thomas Bryant, and he, he's settling for threes. Damian Jones, I guess Damian Jones for Lakers as well. Um, so also drop bigs like Gobert. He put up forty one against Gobert, but Bam Adebayo, a guy who can move his feet, he struggled to stop Bam Adebayo. Bam Adebayo had a career game against Porzingis. So that's kind of been his season so far. He's been a bright spot, knock on wood. He stayed healthy. Um, he's been moving his feet on defense. Um, and he, he's a guy that you can really throw the ball to in the post, and he's just a legitimate scorer. Um, and he really is, uh, for the for the nickname, he really has been a unicorn player for the Wizards. Um, so I've, I've, been, I've been very impressed with Porzingis and his health. I've been very impressed with the way he's played this year. So to sum that all up, yeah, I, I give him an A-. minus. Yeah, I'm gonna roll with A. I, I'm with you. You know, like you, you brought up some good points too. Rebounding, you know, just I've been I've been very impressed with KP. You know, it was looking at the trade from Dallas. You know, I, we definitely won that trade, especially if you look at Bertans. Lord have mercy. Oh, <laughs> Don't forget oh, Dinwiddie too. Oh man, but I mean, you know, look, Dinwiddie playing all right. He is. You know, I, he think, is. I think a lot of that had to do with um, people bit button heads as far as leadership. Because if you look at a lot of the issues from last season, you know, he said that he came in and he wanted to take a leadership role. And I think, you know, like, but, you know, last year was just a whole quagmire. It's just different egos and characters in the locker room. But not nah, definitely. KP has, you know, been big on his team. So going I'll forward, say one thing I'll say passing too. I think he's really been a good passer as well. Hockey passes, passing out of double teams. I think he's done a good job of that too. That's an underrated skill that Porzingis has is passing. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to move on to head coach, Wes Unsell Jr. Now, if you look at Wes, second-year head coach, uh, come on from Denver, he was a defensive-minded coach. But we have not seen the defense yet. We are in the bottom echelon of defense. So knowing that he, you know, he's second-year head coach, but knowing that he kind of at times is outcoached and has issues with rotations, where would you grade him? Matt, you want to go first? Uh, yeah, sorry. This this has been a mess. I'm, I'm going to just tell the listeners what we're, what we're in for here. Both Ed and Brandon have been ac- extremely patient with me as I couldn't get StreamYard to work. The fire <laughs> alarm is going off in my building. My cat is running across my computer. So shout out to you guys for being true professionals here, unlike me. Uh, Wes Unsell, I'd give a C. I don't know. I, I think uh, he's just like, he'd be a great college coach. I think, I think some guys are just better suited to be coordinators than head coaches. You know, I see this with like NFL guys too. Like he's clearly working in that Denver role. He's got a lot long track record of being a great assistant. 
Um, my former co-host Larry Hughes talked about how great Wes was in the locker room for you know people to go to and talk to kind of off off the record and just see where the coaching staff was at. Uh, coaching staff was out with people and like a nice uh, friendly ear for them. But it's a different role to be in the big chair and it hasn't seemingly gone too well for me. I don't see anything particularly creative that he's doing to win them games. I think, you know, the NBA is obviously more about players, but the best coaches do stuff tactically in game to, to make adjustments and win. And, you know, we look, watch anything Miami does with Spolstra. They do crazy creative stuff. Every game, Nick nurse throws out every kitchen sink defense you can think of with his team to give teams different looks like, okay, the wizards occasionally go zone. Um, the way they've used Porzingis is pretty good. Uh, I think uh, they get some amount of credit for that, but for the most part, it's, it's like weird old antiquated stuff, like the double teaming every other team's best player. They've now done that pretty much against every dynamic ball handler in the league. And it's killed them more times than it's helped them. So why do we keep doing it? I know it must be some you know philosophy of his, but at some point, like, when something doesn't work, maybe you don't have the personnel to execute it. And I, I think good coaches have systems that work and they get people in their system that fit that system. The best coaches, exactly. You know, they, they, they adjust their players, I mean, adjust their system to fit their personnel. And I don't think we've seen that yet. It's only a second year. It's a hard job. I think, you know, like this is probably a hard team to coach. The expectations that we put on them are probably not realistic with based on the roster they have. It, the expectations of the, the front office with the roster that they have is probably not realistic. So I, I can't give him like an F or kill him too much because I do think his hand, you know, he's handcuffed at least a little bit. He's got one hand to hide behind his back based on who he has, but uh, it's still, I haven't seen anything that I'm like, wow, I'm really you know grateful. We have Wes and I hope he's here for the next decade. Look, you brought some good points. Very good points. I think the really the issue, I mean, you know, the rotations can be sketchy. And you don't really see a lot of fire out of him. You know, you're not really getting digging into people. And you know, I think that's an issue. But, you know, one dynamic to look at is, you know, being a defensive-minded head coach, you know, you don't really have the personnel to implement that system. You hit the nail on the head. I think that goes down to the GM. And I'm really waiting on Graydon Tommy <laughs> because, I mean, it's tough to implement a defensive system when most of the players on your team can't play defense. I mean, Brad, as much as I like Brad, he can't play defense. You know, Rui can't play defense. DeLon had – he was a big surprise. He played good defense. Jordan Goodwin, man, that fire, that dog in him. You know, so we do have guys on here. Denny, I mean, Denny, you know, he's proven to be an elite-level defender, especially if you look at last season, the people he were shutting down. You know, he was shutting down Giannis. So, I mean, we've got guys who can play defense, but, I mean, outside of that, I mean, Kispert, he ain't playing no defense. <laughs> Monte, he's not existing at the point guard in defense. So it's just – you know, part of me, I, I do think we need to go into the offseason and really evaluate head coach. But in the same token, it depends on the situation. If we're going into a rebuild, you know, I want to give him a one, maybe two more years. And the reason why is because I want them, I want a chance for him to get the players, bring the players in to kind of implement that system. You know, find some, and I really, you know, I know that goes down to scouting and GM because, you know, finding these guys in the draft or even, you know, in, in the offseason, finding these defensive minded guys who can shoot, who can defend at a high level. So I, I kind of want to give him a chance to rebuild. But if we're intent on going forward with, you know, trying to build around Bill, you know, you, you got to try to find these guys to get defend because we are a terrible defensive team. You know, last night we we played well defensively. But overall, you know, perimeter-wise, we can't shut down the three. You know, the paint, the people score at will. Transition, they're, they're outrunning us. You know, no, there's no communication. We get into mismatches all the time. There's just, just no communication. So, you know, that's where I'm at. I'm – 
I'm going to give him a C plus. Wow, I'm surprised you gave him that high of a grade. I thought you were going to give him an F. But uh, we'll probably make this the last question and then do a part two with some of the other guys. Um, but, yeah, Wes, defensive, he's been on the wrong side of history a couple times, the 42-point loss to the Nets, the 35-point comeback by the Clippers last year, and then we give up almost 100 points in the paint to the Nuggets. Granted, yes, we didn't have a fully healthy roster. I think Bill was out. Porzingis was out. Rui's been out. So many guys have been out. So I don't want to give him the player excuse, but at the same time, you kind of have to because you were undermanned that game. Um, but, yes, the double teaming has been excusable. I didn't like the double teaming against LeBron in the clutch. Even though it kind of worked, it's just something that never works for us. So I just – of course it didn't work. Of course it ended the way that it ended with us losing that game. Um, the Pacers game, the three-point percentage, the defense. And the offensively, um, I think we have guys that can run and push the pace, but we really don't. We're always bottom with, – with him the past few years, we've been bottom 10 in pace. We don't get up a lot of threes. Of course, personnel, we don't have guys that can shoot threes. So it's, it is hand-in-hand. Um, but Wes and him managing players and just being a leader of men and managing guys in the locker room, he's still learning from being an assistant coach and just managing the, those personalities. And we give up a lot of leads and he kind of calls timeouts a little too late too. So there's definitely a lot of things where you can see with Wes that he's still learning and really, really needs to improve on. And going back to that, I do think two years ago when we did go through the hiring process, Maybe we should have gotten a guy with experience. I don't know if they had talks with Kenny Atkins. I know Ted and, and Tommy said they wanted to get a first-year guy because Ted said that first-year guys work harder than guys that have coached. It just means he could get them for cheap. Like That's right. literally all that was. They'd take a four-year deal. That That's all that was. Right. So for me with Wes, I, I give him a, a, a minus. honestly. Just the defense has been underwhelming. That's something that he was supposed to come in and improve. And it, it hasn't improved at all. And just the losing leads. The rotations haven't haven't worked out either, and just the defense and the offense is is too slow and methodical. So, um, I, I would have to give West a C minus for right now. Yep, I'm with you. I'm with you, man. All right, so uh, last one, Tommy Shepard, the general manager of the Washington Wizards. Now, if you look at him, uh, trading wise, you know, bringing in Daniel Guy from Chicago was a very under the radar move that has been really well for us. KP for Bretons and Spencer Dibbity. So his trading has been good, but drafting, Lord have mercy, is drafting. So with those factors, <laughs> where would you put him? Probably the same grade I gave Wes, somewhere in the C range. I do think the trades have been good enough uh, to kind of bolster that for him. Realistically, you look at the best GMs in the league, their draft record isn't 100% either and and he has gotten well, the davis pick like we can't even talk about yet that's an incomplete grade like we can't say that's a bust I, that drives me nuts like let's see where he is in a year uh with a full off season and then really evaluate that but the the three guys before that they're all fine like i think we're all a little underwhelmed based on where they were taken but for the most part that's about the average level player you get late lottery if one of those guys had popped, I think you give him a much better grade because that'd be much more, you know, commensurate with where like good GMs are. They get one of these guys that would actually kind of like overachieve. And his guys have all kind of slightly underachieved based on expectations. And I do want to give him like a slight pass because the COVID years were hard for these front offices to look at players. Like we've seen a lot more teams miss in the lottery. And and on our show, we just did a couple redrafts of 
those drafts. And there are a ton of good teams that missed on their picks over 20, mostly the 2020 draft. Realistically, I think that's the one where like you can kind of give him a little bit of a wiggle room there. Uh, he's a good international scout. They didn't do international scouting um, or he, he thinks he's a good international scout. How about that? Like, uh, so it, it's just, it's really hard to kind of give him a fair grade over the like tenure of his, of his time here, because, you know, the Ernie thing, like they left him in a pretty big hole and he's had to do a lot of work to dig out of that hole, which I think he's done an okay job of. But if like one of those draft picks had turned into somebody right now, I think this is a much different team and we'd be looking at things differently. Uh, he should have sold off uh, Berta- Bertans for any picks he could get at that deadline the last year. If he doesn't do that again with guys they don't think are going to resign here, he should be, I don't know, you should probably fire him at that point, realistically. But um, I, I don't think they're like too far away, like one or two good moves away from like making this a respectable playoff team. Uh, and maybe if you had a better head coach, that would get you a couple extra wins too. So again, like I don't want to give him a pass, but it's also not just all him either. So I don't know, C, C minus, something like that seems reasonable. Okay, cool, cool. What about you, E? Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's all mid mid tier mid tier grades. Um, C is just mid, and the, the Wizards have been a, a middling team. Um, now looking at his drafting, the the Aaron Holiday trade, and you know Isaiah Todd. Even looking at the second round picks, um, you know Johnny Davis. It's it's too early. Denny has been a solid player, but he just hasn't hit home runs. He's hit you know singles. Corey Kispert's a solid player. Um, I do want to see him draft some more athletic guys um of course you know guys that that have that dog in them quote unquote um and they just need to get a guard they need to get a point guard and i think they ignore that position in the draft um i know that it wasn't very high in the draft that just passed you know kennedy chandler and ty ty washington but you know tyrese halliburton tyrese maxi i think there's just some guards that they could have gotten even in the second round when they could have gotten io desumu you know so just looking in hindsight maybe even trading up for a guy like Andrew Nimhard from the Pacers. So I just think they've really ignored that point guard spot in the draft. I think that's a big downfall for Tommy Shepard. The trades have been home runs for sure. Um, you look at the John Wall-Russell Westbrook trade, kind of in hindsight, you kind of look at it now. It's kind of iffy because the, the pick is protected. So, um, But, yes, he had to work out from, from Ernie Grunfeld. And the drafting, he just has to improve. He has to hit. I don't think there's a way you can miss – in this year's draft, if we do have our pick, I think we should. Um, but the, the drafting has to be better. Free agents, there's not much you can do. The DeLong Wright signing is probably his best straight-up just free agent signing. The Dinwiddie um, signing didn't work out. The Bretons signing didn't work out. So, yes, there's a lot of misses, and there's a lot of – when he misses, he usually cleans up the fire, which is Ernie Grunfeld-esque as well. Made a, He made a fire with Spencer and Bretons. He cleaned it up getting Chris Dapps. Made a fire with, um, you know, Montrose Harrell, which I thought he was a good player, but it just didn't work out off the court and other things happened, didn't happen, you know, didn't work out, traded him. So, um, yeah, for every bad thing he does, he cleans it up and we're still just in this mid-tier position. So, yeah, it's 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 a mid-tier grade with a C, but the, the drafting and evaluating has to be better just from, from a front office standpoint. It just has to be. Uh, Bones Highland, once again, I thought that's a guy we could have gotten. I like Corey Kispert. But he he just hasn't been able to find a point guard. Yeah, where do I grade Tommy? I'm going to give him a B minus. But I do think his work is to come. Um, like I said, his trade game is on point. His draft game, you know, you know, like Matt said, you're not going to hit on each one. You know, each every GM 
even the very successful ones have misses. But, you know, do we have guys who are solid role guys? Yes. And I think Johnny Davis is going to take a little bit of work, but I think he can still be a solid role guy. I really do. Um, but when I said to come, because this franchise is at a fork in the road, you know, with this record, <laughs> you know, with if you look at Kuz and KP with um, being on player options, Rui and his restricted free agency, and with Bill really holding all the cards, you might not see any of these guys on the team next year. You know, they could go full rebuild. And that's when GM and really the talent of being a GM comes in. It doesn't get easier when you rebuild. It gets harder. You know, you got to be able to, you know, so I think his work's to come, you know, because this franchise is at a fork in the road and he's going to have to put his game in. So, you know, it's a B minus, but I think to a certain degree it's incomplete because I think he's going to have to put his work in in the next couple of years. So, all right, uh, there's definitely going to be a part two because we got some more players to talk about. But before we roll, Matt, do you have anything you want to plug, man? Uh, no, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's good to, to talk, uh, uh, you know, and, and kind of get this out. And it's cathartic to go through and just sort of like recap where we've been through, you know, a quarter, third of the season, something like that. Uh, if anybody listening wants another Wizards podcast other than this one, which is obviously really great, it's Believe in Wizards, B-L-E-A-V. Check us out. We're... Uh, we're letting you guys handle the hard work of going day to day here as much as you do, which I, I give you a ton of credit for. If I had to talk about this team every day, I'd probably go nuts. <laughs> but uh, you know, we're we're once or twice a week, so it's a little different format. But uh, yeah, I hope uh, anybody listening likes this, checks us out. Yes, sir, definitely check them out. Definitely check them out. We appreciate you coming on today, man. You too. We are close to three thousand subscribers, so definitely like and subscribe and uh, comment below. And definitely check out me, my dude, the real Ed Oliver, and Matt on Twitter. We are on there all the time talking Wizards, especially on game days. So definitely check us out. Thank you for making Locked On Wizards today your first listen. Now make Locked On Sports today your second listen. Peter Bukowski brings you the biggest stories from around the sports world in 20 minutes. Get the analysis and options, or opinions rather, before anyone else with our local and national experts and insiders. Locked On Sports Today podcast available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. So again, appreciate it, everybody. Appreciate Matt coming on today. And everybody have a good day and peace. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.